First Class Sailing, take the helm. Welcome to another of our regular series of podcasts. I'm Kerry Herford-Jones and on behalf of First Class Sailing, thank you for joining us. Today I'm delighted to introduce to you a gentleman who started sailing back in 1984 and via the route of uh, his own self-built trailer sailor, he became a yacht master instructor in 1990 skippering big boats all over the world and going as far south as the Falkland Islands. He's currently rear commodore sailing for Warsash Sailing Club and splits his time both instructing and examining yacht masters along with teaching celestial navigation, offshore racing safety and boat handling skills to name but a few. Nigel, thank you so much for joining us on today's podcast. Pleasure, how are you doing? Good stuff, thank you. Yeah, very well indeed. Let's get on with the first question then. Nigel, just uh, give me the overview in terms of, as an examiner, when you're doing Yacht Master, what, what is the kind of outline can people expect when they're with you on the boat for the first time? I mean, the first thing you, you need to remember is that examiners are human. We're sailors, probably quite passionate about what we do. And the main thing we're looking for is, are you actually safe at the level you're working at in both boat handling, navigation and skippering skills? And, and realistically, it's your chance to prove to them that you're up to that standard. That's a great outline. And I think people, when they when they join you for that first time, having been through it myself, is, you know, we're all nervous about this. We, you know, exam conditions, I think, bring out the nervousness as a natural reaction. And that's quite understandable, isn't it? It is. I mean, the majority, actually all examiners really start with a brief beforehand to try and set the scene. And mm. in some cases, trying to calm the candidate down. We've all mm. been through the system. We've all had to pass our coastals, offshores, in some case, ocean um, exams and commercial assessments. We know what it's like on the other side of the fence. So it's not in anybody's interest for me to, to rack up the nerves at all. Um, <laughs> so initially, it's, a, it's a, a chat. We talk through the parameters of the exam and set the scene, basically. Because you yourself have to go through a, a, an exam quite regularly, don't you? Yeah, every, every five years uh, as an instructor uh, and examiner, I go through my updates, which take about three days each, I think. So we've got to prove that we're up to standards to be able mm. to teach and to examine to the mm. required standards. And when you've got those candidates uh, in front of you and you, you're giving them that first briefing, clearly, you know, you're getting through to them that... They, this is their chance to shine. This is a chance to show you. What sort of things are you really drilling down on for that exam? What's the thing you're really looking out for when you get to the, the, the hard nitty gritty of it? There's an awful lot of things that go together to make a yacht master. Not everybody has everything. If everybody had to have everything, to be honest, very few people would pass. Uh, <laughs> yes. um, we're really looking at uh, boat, boat handling aspects of the candidates, navigation, do they under-navigate? Do they over-navigate? That's a major mm. challenge for some people. They, they glue themselves to a chart table. Can they actually handle the boat and handle the crew? Some people get so nervous that the crew really are, are run ragged. Yes. Mm. Yeah, yeah. And I think, you know, let's, let's take a couple of those elements out of that. When you're talking about navigation, you know, we are moving into, and we already are, in a really strong technological age but the RYA quite understandably are still looking for some really good basic skills aren't they because let's face it electronics have a propensity to sometimes not work well yes I mean one of my Yachtmaster Ocean candidates last year came with a fantastic phrase he says GPS is great you know exactly where you are but in reality you're lost with little, sp 
And with a little spatial awareness, it's very true. <laughs> it is very true. <laughs> and, that yeah, people do get tied into it again, though. You talked about getting t- sort of tied into the uh, into the chart table. They can obviously get tied into electronics as well. What we don't want to see is somebody who's staring at a little screen and has no spatial awareness of what's going on around them. Because sometimes you do switch systems off or just say, OK, uh, mm. let's go on from here without using mm. the GPS or let's find a certain point without using GPS. And a lot of it's about spatial awareness. And also the GPS, in a lot of ways, it takes that spatial awareness away from people. It's a little bit driving, I suppose I'm based in Southampton area, drive to central London, you've got the sat-nav in your car. Do you really, really understand where you are half the time? Or you're just following that arrow on a screen? Uh, yeah, I think you put the nail on the head there. That That is absolutely true of all things in this world we do get and we you're absolutely right we almost get immersed in the, the electronics become part of us rather than us using it as a tool if you will um to 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 facilitate what we're trying to achieve yeah very very much so navigation is really about spatial awareness i mean a, a couple of top tips that i use numerous times on debriefs firstly the depth sounder doesn't lie if you only use the depth sounder and nothing else for your navigation you can probably eliminate about 95% of the chart you're using. Because basically, you take height, height of tide in consideration, and if you've got an offset on the depth sounder, if it says you're on five meters, and, and actually you think where you are is in 22 meters, you're wrong. So, but most people now forget about the depth sounder. Mm, good point. Proactive navigation. Um, a lot of people are almost reactive going from boy to boy to boy, and really, have got no awareness of the bigger picture around them. Transits, you can we can pre pre look for transits. They don't necessarily have to line up, but it may tell you if these two line up, we've gone past. Or yeah. when these line up, we're almost there. Yeah. And actually yeah. a transit in a depth is one of the most mm. simple uh, navigation features you can get mm. and one of the most mm. accurate. And it's that it, it's breaking it down into some of the simple parts, if you will, because I think, you know, you can get a bit complicated in, and you make it complicated as a, as a skipper. You can overcomplicate matters. And I think the point you're making, if I may, is that actually break it down into some simple parts uh, and it'll help you to actually, if you want to achieve a, a result, a Yacht Master qualification, this could actually help you to achieve such a, such a goal. Very, very much so. Um, I mean, the other fact is, we don't go to sea to put, to put ourselves under stress. There's, mm. there's enough stressful things out there to throw at us. So keeping navigation simple is the way to go, realistically. Yeah. And, yeah. and having lots of tools in the armory. Yes, GPS mm. is great. I use GPS all the time, but it's part of my armory. It's not the Bible. There's, there's lots of fantastic features on it. It's quick. It's easy. It's great for confirmation. But really... Mm. I like to see the bigger picture of what's around me. Yeah, and, and enjoy it. I think that's the point yeah. I've, I found, is that you get more enjoyment out of it. It's a bit like when, when, when you start out, perhaps, with maps and stuff at school. You get more enjoyment out of knowing the bigger picture and knowing how it goes. Let's see if we may look at some of... Um, because I know you have a wealth of, uh, a wealth of stories and experiences to draw on. Perhaps the sort of thing that one could learn from if you're putting yourself into a yacht master examination situation. Some of the things you've seen over the years that perhaps we could learn from, both, dare I say, good and bad. Well, yeah, 
I've seen numerous people pick up the wrong transits or they're focusing on a boy or they've misread. Actually, one of the biggest mm. things is people are very good at drawing little sketches of their passage, yeah. which focus primarily on voyage. Now, it's making an inaccurate copy of an accurate document. Then once you've made that inaccurate copy, you don't refer back to the main document at all, which is a... A bit of a controversial side because the instructors always mm. say, "Oh yeah, make a little sketch of you where you're going." Yeah, yeah. Uh, my background's military. How many battles were ever won on Plan A? <laughs> Not many. No, none. I don't think. <laughs> so why put all your eggs in the basket and write a very detailed Plan A, but have no backup Plan B? It's having that overview of what's around you, and certainly mm. drawing a little passage plan up, then putting the chart away back in the fold inside the chart table mm. is suicide, basically. Yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, because you, you're at a stroke, you're saying my my route plan, my passage plan, my navigational detail is actually better than the chart. Yes, and it's very easy. I mean, prime example, Hillhead Boy, which is flashes every two and a half seconds. A lot of people read is flashing twice in five seconds. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so they're going around saying, Hill Head Boy's not there. It's not that. I can't find it. Uh, and we're just going, yeah, it is. Yeah. Because yeah. let's face it, you, you know that voyage out there personally. You, you know almost every single boy in the Solent, don't you? I don't need a chart. Sorry to say. <laughs> I'd probably spend about 300 hours per year at night in the Solent. Uh, uh, yeah. So... Realistically, yes, I'm very familiar with everything around there. Uh, and what's wrong on Navionics as well and electronic charting, because mm. are, it's not perfect. Mm. And some things, I'm quite happy that it's not perfect, because mm. it proves mm. some points. Yeah, now, now that, that we, could, we could spend a whole podcast just talking on that, that level of detail that is or isn't there, because, again, that's electronics, and even to a point charts, is sometimes it can draw yep. you in, and you, you be, it becomes a Bible, and a literal Bible in the sense of this is the fact, where, in fact, your point, I think, is it's a guide. Yes. Um, we're very lucky in, in the UK with our charting, um, in that the vast majority of the commercial harbours have got very accurate charting, um, yeah. certainly yeah. for the main channels. Um, I've got some charts of other parts of the world, and if you look at the little datum box it, on the corner of the chart, it says, mm. surveyed by lead line and sextant between 1876 <laughs> and 1892. <laughs> and we're trying to go in these places with a, a GPS that's accurate to five metres. Certainly parts of the UK coast outside the main harbours has not mm. been surveyed for 50 years. Mm. Uh, and Things move. Rocks well, don't, really... but, you know, depths can. Yeah. What, what rocks are the miss between those soundings? Right? Good point. And yeah. people then expect, yeah, cross... I mean, good examples in the soil that we've got Brambles Bank, we've got Shingles, we've got various mm. other banks and things. Mm. And people expect that depth to be 100% accurate. Hmm. Now, all Good it point. takes is a gale, and that's yep. going to move those banks around a little bit. Um, hmm. You look at the progression of charts over the last, I suppose, my playing the songs of the last 40 years, um, you can see how certain banks are, are gradually moving. 
and uh, would I trust the debt service from those banks? No, I wouldn't. No, you wouldn't. Uh, no, not no. when people want to go with, say, a point, point 0.3 of a metre clearance on them. And I'm going, it's, a, it's a little close, Nigel, a little close. <laughs> it's, uh, and, yeah, and from my perspective, running boats aground is, is not a good move these days. No, 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 no. And not just the embarrassment, it's the physical damage. And, uh, yeah, we can go into that as well in some detail. But it is, I think... You know, having having come out with you, having sailed with you, it, it is about that margin of safety. It's safe sailing, enjoyable sailing, getting more out of it. But safety is paramount, isn't it? At the end of the day, it is. Yeah, and as means part of my brief, as it's part of it is yeah, good seam, good seamanship is expected. Yeah. Um, yeah. Collisions with boats, buoyage, harbour walls, the seabed, <laughs> and dangerous boat handling, not recommended. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I don't say yeah. it's a automatic fail but it's mm. certainly not recommended it's not uh, it's not going to help you get the ticket let's be honest at the end no. of the day <laughs> um so we talked about some of the things that you perhaps are concerned should we say what about the things that impress you uh when you're out with with a crew when you're out with some yacht master yeah. candidates them actually enjoying what they're doing now some of the best candidates i've had made the whole experience enjoyable we're not out there for the good of our health um, to take on various stresses and things. And it can be very stressful being examining people because yeah. you've got a lot of expectations to manage and mm. you've got to manage their stress levels as well. So you go out and you, with a crew who are happy to get on with each other, are comfortable in the situation, are confident, and you see them ticking things off. Yeah. And some people at the end of the exam say, well, you didn't really examine me. And I said... I didn't have to, you examined yourself. Everything I could see was just happening. And if somebody's an open book and they're talking to their crew about what's going on and what they're looking for, mm. etc., mm. what is left for me to ask? Mm. They've demonstrated, yeah. yeah. Whereas other people won't tell me anything. They'll clamp up, they are nervous. You then think, well, does that mean that they're insecure or they're mm. really on their limits of knowledge? So... Then I've got to ask questions. That possibly makes them more nervous. Yes. And the whole thing spirals down. Yeah. So yeah. one of the best advice I can probably give to anybody is don't do it unless you're 100% ready to do the exam. Because if you think you're sort of 50% on a good day, I'll get it. The chances are you won't because the nerves will take over on the day. And, 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 and the pressure that goes with that. Yeah. We have had two mm. candidates on the same boat. One who was actually before the back end of last year a young lady who was sort of very bubbly she had everything going for her uh, knew exactly she had everything pretty much just ticking over and she was feeding yeah. information to the crew and they and getting the answers back and really i had virtually nothing to examine her on because she was a total open book and yeah. she'd brief me she'd come down uh, i would look at the chart and she said we're just here now and so about another four or five minutes we should pick up a certain mark and then and i had nothing to ask and had a, mm. another slightly older gentleman on board the boat who was probably on his limits and yeah. i yeah. had to keep asking him things all the time and at the end of it he says but you gave me much harder time than you gave her and i said mm. well she examined herself and i yeah. had to ask you the question because i was getting nothing back yeah which is good a shame to a certain extent yeah, but, but that's, that's the way it is. It is, yes. Uh, yeah. I've got to find out the facts somehow, and it's ideally yeah. 
if you tell me it, uh, mm. I don't always believe you. What you tell me. <laughs> As I said, I think you, I think you've seen it all before, Nigel. I don't think people can hide anything from you. Um, Nigel, I th- I, let's, let's draw, if we may, a, a final con- a final question uh, into the frame uh, just to conclude today's podcast, which I have to say has been really enjoyable. I, I really do thank you very much indeed for taking the time uh, to, to, to join us for this. Best a bit of advice you could give to uh, somebody considering taking a Yachtmaster uh, exam? The best bit of advice really is don't do it until you're ready. And certainly, yeah. if the instructor's only giving you a 50-50 chance, I'd say don't do it, because it probably puts you on a, only a 25% chance with extra nerves. That's probably the first thing. We, we're not there to fail people. I would mm. much rather somebody waited and came back and actually yeah. passed at a later moment. If nothing else, it's far less work for us if, you, if, you, <laughs> if you're going to pass. And the next bit is put yourself in a situation where you can enjoy it, because... The majority of candidates actually it should be it's a process it shouldn't be an over stressful sit- situation and it, there is a lot of humor involved in exams as well and we meet a lot of very interesting people really really good advice and i think anybody listening to this podcast today will uh, i hope will influence and change and will maybe just make them think again before signing the uh, signing the check or uh, transferring the money over to the rya is are you ready? Are you are you mentally ready? But also to a to a point, physically ready? Because let's take it. Let's face it. You can have some pretty challenging challenging conditions out there, and you need to be up together to to make the best of what you're going to get out of the boats, what you're getting out of your crew, and you need to be on top of top of your game, really, as well, don't you? Yes, certainly. And it's not looking at things in isolation. People think, oh, my navigation's good, my port hand is good, my such and such is good. But can you be good at all of those at the same time? And that's what we're looking at. You, you can't just stop the boat and do navigation. Uh, you can't stop, stop the boat and do such and such. Uh, the boat cannot stop necessarily. Once mm. you're off the dock, you're moving. Yeah. So can you yeah. put the whole package together? But there's lots of space for more yacht masters. <laughs> well I, I don't know how you fit everything in because clearly you're a busy busy man you've got uh, lots of courses that you're running we'll talk about that on another podcast if we may yep. once again thank you so very much indeed uh, for joining us on today's podcast with first class saying i hope you've enjoyed it as much as i have it's been fun yes look forward to next time <laughs> likewise nigel rennie thank you very much indeed for joining us today business on board with carrie herford jones